magic of metals and gems. According to the teachings of the mysteries, the rays of the celestial bodies striking the crystallizing influences of the lower world become the various elements. Partaking of the astral virtues of their source, these elements neutralize certain unbalanced forms of celestial activity, and when properly combined, contribute much to the well-being of man. Little is known today concerning these magical properties, but the modern world may find it profitable to consider the findings of the early philosophers, who determined these relationships by extensive experimentation. Out of such research arose the practice of identifying the metals with the bones of various deities. For example, the Egyptians, according to Manetho, considered iron to be the bone of Mars, and the lodestone the bone of Horus. By analogy, Lead would be the physical skeleton of Saturn, copper of Venus, quicksilver of Mercury, gold of the sun, silver of the moon, and antimony of the earth. It is possible that uranium will prove to be the metal of Uranus, and radium to be the metal of Neptune. The four ages of the Greek mystics, the Golden Age, the Silver Age, and the Bronze Age, and the Iron Age, are metaphoric expressions referring to the four major periods in the life of all things. In the divisions of the day, they signify dawn, midday, sunset, and midnight. In the duration of gods, men, and the universes, they denote the periods of birth, growth, maturity, and decay. The Greek ages also bear a close correspondence to the four yugas of the Hindus, Krita Yuga, Treta Yuga, Vapora Yuga, and Kali Yuga. Their method of calculation is described by Ulamidian as follows. In each of the 12 signs, there are 1,800 minutes. Multiply this number by 12, you have 21,600. 1,800 times 12 is 21,600. 21, Multiply this 21,600 by 80, and it will give you 1,728,000, which is the duration of the first age, called the Krita Yuga. If the same number be multiplied by 60, it will give 1 million, 296,000, the years of the second age, Trita Yuga. The same number multiplied by 40 gives you 864,000, the length of the third age, Dvapa Yuga, and the same multiplied by 20 gives you 432,000, the fourth age, Kali Yuga. It will be noted that these multipliers decrease in inverse ratio to the Pythagorean tritractics, 1, 2, 3, and 4. H.P. Blavatsky declares that Orpheus taught his followers how to affect a whole audience by means of a lodestone, and that Pythagoras paid particular attention to the color and nature of precious stones. She adds, the Buddhists assert that the sapphire produces peace of mind, equanimity, and chases all evil thoughts by establishing a healthy circulation in man. So does an electric battery, with which it's well-directed fluid, says our electricians. The sapphire, say the Buddhists, will open barred doors and dwellings. The spirit of man produces a desire for prayer and brings with it more peace than any other gem. But he who would wear it must lead a pure and holy life. Mythology abounds with accounts of magical rings and talismanic jewels. In the second book of his Republic, Plato describes a ring which, when, when the collate was turned inwards, rendered its wearer invisible. With this Gyges, the shepherd, secured for himself the throne of Lydia, 
Josephus also describes the magical rings designed by Moses and King Solomon, and Aristotle mentions one which has brought love and honor to his possessor. In his chapter dealing with the subject, Henry Cornelius Agrippa not only mentions the same rings, but states upon the authority of Philostratus Jarchus, that Apollonius of Tyana extended his life to over 130 years with the aid of seven magical rings presented to him by an East Indian prince. Each of these seven rings was set with a gem partaking of the nature of one of the seven ruling planets of the week. And by daily changing the rings, Apollonius protected himself against sickness and death by the intervention of the planetary influences. The philosopher also instructed his disciples on the virtues of these talismanic jewels, considering such information to be indispensable to the theurgist. Agrippa described the preparation of magical rings as follows. When any star ascends fortunately with the fortunate aspect or conjunction of the moon, we must take a stone and herb that is under the star and make a ring of the metal that is suitable to the star and then it fasten the stone, putting the herb or root under it, not omitting the inscriptions of the images, names, and characters, as also the proper suffumigations. The ring has long been regarded as the symbol of attainment, perfection, and immortality. The last, because of the circle of precious metal, has neither beginning nor end. In the mysteries, rings chased to resemble a serpent with its tail and its mouth were worn by the initiates as material evidence of the position reached by them in the order. Signet rings, engraved with certain secret emblems, were worn by the hierophants, and it was not uncommon for a messenger to prove that he was the official representative of a prince or other dignitary by bringing with him his message, either an impression of his master's ring or the signet itself. The wedding ring originally was intended to imply that in the nature of one who wore it, the state of equilibrium and completion had been attained. This plain band of gold, therefore, bore witness to the union of the higher self, i.e. God, with the lower self, nature, and the ceremony consummating this indissoluble blending of divinity and humanity in the one nature of the initiated mystic constituted the hermetic marriage of the mysteries. In describing the regalia of a magician, Eliphas Levi declares that on Sunday, the day of the sun, he should carry in his right hand a golden wand set with a ruby or chrysolite. On Monday, the day of the moon, he should wear a collar of three strands consisting of pearls, crystals, or selenites. On Tuesday, the day of Mars, he should carry a wand of magnetized steel and a ring of the same metal set with an amethyst. On Wednesday, the day of Mercury, he should wear a necklace of pearls or glass beads containing mercury and a ring set with agate. On Thursday, the day of Jupiter, he should carry a wand of glass or resin and wear a ring set with emerald or sapphire. On Friday, the day of Venus, he should carry a wand or polished copper and wear a ring set with turquoise and a crown or diadem decorated with lapis lazuli and beryl. And on Saturday, the day of Saturn, he should carry a wand ornamented with onyx stone and wear a ring set with onyx and a chain about his neck formed of lead. Paracelsus, uh, Agrippa, Kircher, Lily, and numerous other magicians and astrologers have tabulated the gems and stones corresponding to the various planets and zodiacal signs. The following list has been compiled from their writings. To the sun is assigned the carbuncle, ruby, and garnet, especially the perope and other fiery stones. Sometimes the diamond, to the moon, the pearl, selenite, and other forms of crystal. To Saturn, the onyx, jasper, topaz, and sometimes the lapis lazuli. 
to Jupiter, the sapphire, emerald, and marble, to Mars, the amethyst, hyacinth, lodestone, and sometimes the diamond, to Venus, the turquoise, beryl, emerald, and sometimes pearl, alabaster, coral, and carnelian, to Mercury, the chrysolite, agate, and variegated marble, to the zodiac, the same authorities assigned the following gems and stones. To Aries, the sardonyx, bloodstone, amethyst, and diamond. To Taurus, the carnelian, turquoise, hyacinth, sapphire, moss, agate, and emerald. To Gemini, the topaz, agate, chrysoprase, crystal, and aquamarine. To Cancer, the topaz, chalcedony, black onyx, moonstone, pearl, cat's eye, crystal, and sometimes emerald. To Leal, the jasper, sardonyx, beryl, ruby, chrysolite, amber, tourmaline, sometimes the diamond. Virgo, emerald, carnelian, jade, chrysolite, and sometimes pink jasper and hyacinth. To Libra, the beryl, sardius, coral, lapis lazuli, opal, and sometimes the diamond. To Scorpio, the amethyst, beryl, sardonyx, aquamarine, carbuncle, lodestone, topaz, and malachite. To Sagittarius, the hyacinth, topaz, chrysolite, emerald, carbuncle, and turquoise. To Capricorn, the chrysoprase, ruby, malachite, black onyx, white onyx, jet, and moonstone. To Aquarius, the crystal, sapphire, garnet, zircon, and opal. To Pisces, the sapphire, jasper, chrysolite, moonstone, and amethyst. Both the magic mirror and the crystal ball are symbols little understood. Woe to that benighted mortal who accepts literally the stories circulated concerning them. You will discover, often at the cost of sanity and health, that the sorcery and philosophy, while often confused, have nothing in common. The Persian Magi carried mirrors as an emblem of the material spheres, which reflect divinity from its every part. The crystal ball, long misused as a medium for the cultivation of psychic powers, is a threefold symbol. First, it signifies the crystalline universal egg in whose transparent depths creation exists. Two, it is a proper figure of deity, previous in its, in its immersion in matter. And three, it signifies the etheric sphere of the world in whose translucent essence is impressed and preserved the perfect image of all terrestrial activity. Meteors, or mocks, or rocks from heaven, were considered tokens of divine favor and enshrined as evidence of a pact between gods and the community in which they fell. Curiously marked or chipped natural stones are occasionally found. In China, there is a slab of marble the grain of which forms a perfect likeness of Chinese dragon. The Obamarago stone, chipped by nature into a close resemblance of popular conception of the face of Christ, is so remarkable that even the crowned heads of Europe requested the privilege of beholding it. Stones of such nature were held in the highest esteem among primitive people, and even today exert a wide influence amongst religiously minded.